Hey, C12. How's it going? Hey, y'all, there's people, we say this every week, but it's really true. There's people in the back that need to see, and it's harder to see. So if you can scoot in, um, look around, let people have seats. Um, I want to, before we dive into the message, I just want to tell you about a couple of things coming up that I want to invite you into. And I mean, if, if it adds value to your life, do it. If not, you know, that's okay. But one of the things that um, we're learning and just in conversations with you is that so many of you are really longing for a place uh, to really dive deeper um, in a smaller format, you know, where you don't have 300 people in a room and you're, you know, you can't have the kind of conversations that you'd like to have about God and scripture and the Bible and ask questions and so um, here at 12 Stone, we want to offer you that place. And so on Sunday nights here at 12 Stone, we're offering all kinds of different um, topics and environments that you could dive into to learn more. For example, um, and I think we have, a, we have a slide back there that has a texting number. Um, so if, if what I'm saying is interesting to you, go ahead and pull your phone out and do what this says. But um, for example, like Miles Welch, you all know Miles. Miles is doing a three-week class, so three Sunday nights consecutively, talking about what it means to live a Holy Spirit-filled life. So if that's, you know, that's something that you're like, I just don't know, you know, I'm a Christian now, I don't understand what it means to live um, with the Holy Spirit in me, and to live empowered, and to live in peace, and that might be something that you want to jump into. Uh, there's another one that's called Faith Foundations, just setting you up, um, understanding what it means to read the Bible and pray and just dive deeper. So I wanted to offer this to you in case any of you are interested in that. And all you got to do is text Sunday nights to that number and you will get a link that will take you to more information and times and dates and all of those things. But I know that so many of you are wanting to jump in and dive deeper. And I think this is a great opportunity for you to do that. <clears throat> All right. Last week, I said that we were going to be spending a couple of weeks um, talking about hearing from God, hearing God's voice. And we last week, we had this like 30,000 foot start, you know, that God does speak. And sometimes it takes going to the mountain or getting in the gate, but he does speak. And it's really for us to engage him, as Sierra said. It's for us to give all of ourselves to those moments. So this week, I want to go down another layer, all right? And we're still in a series, long story short. So we're talking about stories that are sort of famous, if you will, or people have heard of, but really dissecting them. And so I want to go down deeper into a layer of what it means to hear God's voice. And so we are going to jump into Moses and the burning bush. All right. Have you, how many of you ever heard of that story? Or, or, okay, great. Awesome. A couple of years ago now, uh, my husband and I, who's here tonight, he's back there. Uh, if you want to say hi. Hi, Jeff. Um, yes, it was his birthday this week. You can tell him happy birthday. Um, we're old. Don't ask. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we took like this bucket list trip to Greece. And we went over there with this group of people, and we had tour guides, and we were going over to sort of study the beginning of the church, the early beginning, because that's where it started. And we had a tour guide, and her name was Aliki. And Aliki gave us these things that we put around our neck that she called whispers. 
they were called whispers. It was like a little transistor, um, you know, walkie-talkie sort of thing, and it hung around our neck, and she had the main piece, and she would talk to us and be our tour guide, and I don't know, there were like 40 or 50 of us, so we were a large group, and she would stay at the front, and we would follow her, and she would be guiding us and telling us about everything we were seeing, and uh sometimes I would have a tendency, and Jeff definitely had a tendency, to drift from the group. We would see something that would be interesting to us, or we would be going through Athens or through a town, and there would be shopping, and there would be all kinds of shiny things, and there would just be things that we would want to go look at. And so we would think, okay, we see the group. We're going to get catch up to the group. Um, it won't be all that bad. It, we could hear her, so we know she's close. And so we would get sidetracked. But when we got too far away, you would notice that her voice would start to break up in our ear, like, like that kind of a thing. Like these little voices. And, and I would think, oh, 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 where is she? Where is she? Where is she? We could see her. So, it was, you know, we felt okay because we could still see her. She was just a little crackly in our ears. But then there would come a moment when we were too far away that it would go silent. Nothing's coming through my whisper. And I would have this moment of panic. I can't hear the person that's guiding me. I'm in a country where I don't speak the language. And I'm trying to find my way around, and I don't want to get lost. And I'm an American, and Americans aren't their favorite over there. So I I don't feel like I could just go ask anyone for help or tell me where to go. And I would get very, very nervous. And all of a sudden, I would find myself just running in the direction that I thought they were going. And as I would get closer, I would start to hear the, I would hear, I would like, yes, I'm getting closer until eventually I'd get close enough that I would begin to hear her little, wonderful, beautiful Greek voice telling us where to go and what to do. See, I find that God is always talking. Leaky, she was always talking. But the further I get and the more distance I create, And the more distractions I pay attention to, the more crackly the voice gets, the more distorted it gets, um, the less clarity I have, the more confused I live until eventually I feel like his voice is silent and I start to panic. And I start to have something in my life where I dive down into sadness or frustration you know, or anger because I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do and I wonder where God is and why isn't he talking and why isn't he telling me what to do and why isn't he fulfilling his promises and I don't understand why this is happening to me or why this is happening to this person that I love. And the whole reason it's happening is because I am too far away from him. And if I would just move toward him, his voice would become clear. So I want to look at Moses in the burning bush because Moses discovered the very same thing. So let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament. Exodus is a fantastic book. Exodus is one of those books, and they have made movies out of different parts of Exodus. But um, like people who say the Bible is boring, I just feel like they're boring. You know? I'm going to go, the Bible's boring? Dude, I think you have a thing, an issue, because it's like, I mean, things are happening in the book of Exodus. So let's start in Exodus 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. Hey. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. So Moses is out 
in the wilderness. He used to live in Egypt and he was part of the palace, but then he killed an Egyptian and ran away because his life was in danger for having committed a crime. So he's been in the wilderness for some time and he had become a sheep herder for his father-in-law. And so there he is tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Okay, does that, do you remember talking about that last week? Elijah also went to Sinai, the mountain of God, right? So here is Moses out in the wilderness, and he comes to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing what? Fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, I love that statement. I just love that God's watching, right? When the Lord saw that Moses is coming, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Does this not fascinate y'all? I mean, can you try and imagine a bush on fire and a voice coming out of it? Moses is going over to it. Someone's calling out, come here. Moses is like, hey, here I am. I find it interesting. Do not come any closer. The Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Moses at the mountain of God saw something different. Saw something different. Remember we talked about how God's voice isn't louder, it's just different? He saw something different. So Moses walked over, got close, went toward the fire. I must go see it. Takes his shoes off. Realizes, I think, that what's about to be said will change everything. God says, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Just know that this is no ordinary moment. You need to get prepared. You need to understand that what I'm about to say to you will change everything. Verse 9, God speaks. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Let me paraphrase. Moses, you're going to go back to the palace you were raised in but had to flee from because you committed a crime and where you're one of the most wanted men. You're going to go back to that place that you have been hiding from for decades and for years. And not only are you going to go back, you're going to go to the very person that's in charge of the whole place. And you're going to tell them to let their slaves go, which means you're going to tell them that what he needs to do is completely reconstruct his entire country, lose all of his labor force. And you're just going to say, God said so, and you should do it. Have no fear. Verse 11. But Moses protested to God, well, I would too. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? So Moses says what I think I would have said, and I'm pretty sure we often say when God gives us an instruction, and it's this. Who, me? Right? What? Oh, me? 
Oh, yeah, there's no one else around at the wilderness. There's no one else at this bush that's on fire. I think it's you, Moses. But how many times does God say something to us and we go, ah, oh, who me? See, uh, I'm no longer in with Pharaoh. I don't know if you know, but I'm no longer welcome in the palace. Surely there's someone better. Surely you've got a different plan. I'm pretty sure there's someone in the palace right now that you could speak to and they have favor with Pharaoh and you could go in and do this kind of thing. And Moses says, yeah, I don't think so. Who me? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So God says, when it's all over, we're going to meet back here, you and me. Not if it happens, but when it happens. Verse 13. But Moses, what? Protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Moses is basically saying, if I go and do this, they're going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. Who's your God? Like, who sent you? By what power do you think you can come in here? So I think there's a second question that Moses wrestles with that we do. Is this really you, God? See, Moses says, okay, I'll do it. But then when I go do it, who do I tell them sent me? I feel like Moses is going, I just want to make sure the voice I'm talking to is God and not the devil or my crazy. Right? So when I go, who is telling me to go? Right? Is this you? Have you ever wondered if the voice you hear in your head or the press that you feel is from the Lord or if it's just you? Just like because you feel a certain way or because somebody's told you a certain thing or because it's what you've always done and you just feel like, I, I can't even tell. You know, first of all, you want me to do this? And second of all, is this really you asking? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. He says, tell them the God who was is still the God who is and will be. You tell them that the God of their ancestors is the God who has now shown up and sent you to say, I'm the God of the present that's going to lead you into the future. You tell them that, Moses. You tell them. Exodus 4, verse 1. But Moses, what? Protested again. It's so easy in these situations to go, Moses, you're so stupid. Like, really, Moses? Like, you're, and we think, well, if it were me, are you kidding me? I would know. I'm talking to a burning bush. There's a voice. I've taken my shoes off. I would totally understand that this is God. I mean, this is insane. But I don't know that it's any different than us. Do we regularly listen to God the first time? Or does it usually take multiple times 
of reminding because we demand that. We demand affirmation and we demand, Lord, please tell me again and again and again. And Moses protests again. And here's what he said. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Oh, skipping down to, down to sorry, Exodus 4. Um, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord has never appeared to you? Who me? Is this you? What if they don't believe me? Moses is saying, prove it. What if they don't believe me? I mean, I believe you. I, of course, believe you. But I mean, you know, what if they don't? Can you help me out here? Can you prove it? Verse 2, then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it down to the ground. The Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. Nope. Uh, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it. And it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, not but your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. Then the Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. Staff turns into a snake. Hand gets a disease, then gets healed. Hey, get some water. It'll turn to blood. Prove it? Oh, I'll prove it. I'll prove that it's me. You know what? I'm going to give you the same power to do it there. So that you can prove it's me. We don't have to prove God's power. God can prove his power on its own. But so often we say yes to the Lord and we hear and we know it's from him, but then we rely entirely on our own power to get it done. We stop dependence and we take up the weight and the mantle of thinking we have to do this impossible thing that God has asked us to do. He's asking Moses to do the impossible. Moses does not have it in him to do it, but God does. And God is saying, I can do these things and I can do them through you. Prove it. Here you go. And now you go prove it. I was talking I've had a couple conversations with a couple different ones of you over the last couple of weeks, really, about things you feel like God is telling you and speaking to you. And I was talking to one of you uh, a couple weeks ago, and we'd been in several conversations, and, um, and, you know, the person I was talking to was saying, I know this is what God has said to me. I know this is what I need to do. And so we'd been kind of walking through it, and they had taken some steps to move forward in the direction that God had pointed. And then about a week later, we had another conversation, and uh, I'm smiling because I love these conversations. 
And she says to me, I know I've said yes, but now I'm thinking, what if I do this? And then, you know, I don't know what my life is going to be like in five years. What if my life is like this in five years and this decision I'm making won't fit that? What if I get there and I've made this decision now and then it messes up all of my future? And my response was, did God tell you to do this? Yes. Don't you think that God sees five years down the road? Don't you think that God is preparing the way? Don't you think that whatever your life looks like two years, four years, ten years, twenty years down the road, your yes of today will make all of those other things possible. In fact, if you don't say the yes of today, whatever it is you think will happen in five years may not. We are not responsible to make all of our future happen. We are only responsible to say yes now. Say yes now. And let him deal with the future. Let him deal with what happens when you get to Pharaoh. Let him deal with what happens when you get back to Egypt. Trust him that at the right time, he'll hand you a mantle. At the right time, a burning bush will show up. At the very right time, he will work in and through you. When he decides and when, when he determines, your job and Moses' job was in that moment to simply say yes. Yes. I do love, though, that God is big enough to take our arguments, right? I mean, Moses has now gone back and argued three different times. He protested. He protested. He protested. Verse 10, what does he do? But Moses, he, now what is he doing? Pleaded. He's done arguing. Now he's begging. Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, <coughs> I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. What if? What if I get there and I try and talk and nothing comes out? What if I get there and try and talk and I forget what you said? What if I get there and I try and talk and Pharaoh just cuts my head off? What if I get there and I get it wrong? Like, I hear what you're telling me to do, go free the people of Israel, which, by the way, is no small thing. But what if I get there and I can't do what you've asked me to do? What if I can't endure it? What if I can't execute it? What if I can't check the box off? What if I can't deliver? We do not have to be the deliverer. We have to be obedient and allow God to work in and through us and let him be the savior. Let him be the deliverer. Let him be the miracle worker. We have to say yes. We have to say yes. I love God's response so much. Then the Lord asked Moses, let me paraphrase, who made your mouth? Right? Moses says, I can't even talk. And God says, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. He's getting mad, right? Just go, Moses. Go for the love. Go. 
I will be with you as you speak, like I'm doing now, out of a flaming bush. And I will instruct you in what to say. My guess is you've had friends, family, people that have needed to do something difficult, and you've said really encouraging things to them, like, you can do this, right? Or God will be faithful, or God is with you in this. Or I'm here for you, or I'll be with you in this. And you've said really encouraging things. Why is it so hard to believe for other people and believe that God can work in and through other people, but that he can't work in and through you? It's so much easier to look at someone else and think, well, God would do better if he used them. God, you know, they're more articulate. They can speak better. They, you know, um, they're better equipped. They have better skills, better abilities. Like, and God says, who do you think made you? Who do you think gave you your strengths and your weaknesses? Who do you think allows you to draw breath every day? Oh, that's me. And guess what? I can do with you whatever I want. I can turn your weakness into a strength. And I can turn your strength into a weakness. I can do in you what you can't possibly imagine. He says, now go. I will be with you. I will instruct you. I will take care of it. I will deal with it. Verse 13, but Moses again pleaded. Lord, please. And then he's just bottom line, send anyone else. Send anyone else. Who, me? Is this really you? Prove it. Okay, fine. But what if? Verse 14, then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look. He is on his way to meet you now. Go figure, right? I'm, I'm inserting things. I hope you see that. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. See, some people, scholars think Moses had a stutter or he had some kind of speech impediment or there was just something about him that made this task very difficult. And God could have used him anyway and made him able to speak clearly. But because God is gracious and compassionate, even in his anger, he said, fine, I'm going to give you Aaron. You tell Aaron what to say and he'll do it for you. I love that about God, y'all. That he is so patient and so kind with us that even in our weakness, even when we go, please, no, I cannot do this. I do not want to do this. God says, fine. Huh, could have done it with you. Could have shown you some awesome stuff. But I'm going to give you what you think you need even though you don't need it because I love you and it will give you more confidence. Verse 18, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. Moses says, I don't even know if they're still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. And that, my friends, act of obedience. That yes from Moses, that yes from Aaron, would free an entire nation that would give birth to the Messiah. 
who would develop 12 men that would begin the church. And here you and I sit today. Your yes is never just about you. Your yes is always about you and other people. Most of the time, we just want to know what God wants from us and for us. And it's so short-sighted and such a small mindset to think that the decisions we make are only going to impact us and our life and our future. I'm here to tell you the decisions you make in this season of your life, at your age, in this decade of life, in your 20s, not only set up your future, it will set up children's future and grandchildren's future and friendship's future. It will have a ripple effect throughout all of eternity that you cannot possibly imagine. My great-grandfather was not a Christian. Not only was he not a Christian, he was an incredibly abusive, horrible, angry man. Throw things, hit things, scream, mouth that was just atrocious. And he was married, of course, to my great-grandmother, and they had four children. My grandfather and his twin, another girl, and another boy. My great-grandmother was a Christian, and she would gather the kids to her every night, and they would pray for my great-grandfather. She would gather them around, and she would say, we are going to pray every day until your father, which is who he was to them, comes to know Jesus. And so they would all gather, even though all four of the kids were not Christians, weren't believers, My own grandfather did not follow the Lord. It was an incredibly rebellious child and teenager. But still, it's their mother, and she forced them, and they gathered, and they would pray. And she prayed this prayer, Lord, I pray that you would do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring my husband and these children's father to you. One day, my great-grandfather started to have some pain in his back and all of a sudden developed an arthritis that made him stooped over, not, not mildly, like he walked through life like this. And he had crutches under his uh, arms and he spent the remainder of his life at a 90-degree angle in pain all of the time. We still have those little crutches, these little wooden wooden crutches, and um, one night in the middle of the night, my great-grandmother was praying, and God got a hold of my great-grandfather, and in a night of desperation, in pain, and tired of living the way that he was living, my great-grandfather reached out and said, God, if you're real and if you're there, I I have nothing left to lose but to give my life to you, and so he did. He gave his life to Jesus, and he was one of those radical transformations, like that 180 kind of thing. Some people come to know Christ, and it's a slow journey, and that's okay. And some people do, and it's like this, bam. Like, everything's different. I mean, he was just a completely, he was no longer abusive, um, very articulate man. He, he had struggled to read and to write, and all of a sudden, he's writing. All of a sudden, he's preaching because God called him into ministry. Not only did he become a Christian, he became a pastor, And he would begin to, every night, crawl up the stairs, because he couldn't walk, 
to each of his children's bedrooms and prayed that they would become Christians because that's what they had done for him. And my grandfather tells the story of he would be 16 years old, laying in his bed, and he would hear his father crawling up the stairs. His father crawling up the stairs, and it would take him a full hour. And my grandfather, who was not a compassionate man, had suffered abuse for many, many years, was just angry in bed listening to his father crawl up the stairs. One particular night, my great-grandfather got all the way up the stairs, went into my grandpa's bedroom, pulled himself up onto the bed and said, Billy, that's what he called him, you need to know Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. And my grandfather shoved him off the bed. My great-grandfather kept doing this night after night after night after night until every one of his children had come to know Christ. My grandfather got called into ministry and grew up to be pastor. Thousands of people have come to know Christ under his leadership. My grandfather had three children, two of them boys. They became pastors. Thousands and thousands of people have come to know Jesus under my father and my uncle. My dad had my brother and I. Took me a while. (laughs) Took me a while. I did this a lot, y'all, to be honest. Me? Wait. Is this you? Prove it. Yeah, but what if they won't listen to a woman? I've never seen it. I'm not sure you know what you're asking. I feel like this is going to be hard. But none of what's happened in my life, the redemption, the, restore, the restoration of my story, the restoration of my family's, the restoration of my grandfather's, y'all, none of that would have happened unless my great-grandfather had finally just said yes, right? That one yes changed the direction of an entire heritage an entire legacy. Not only did it change the direction of a family, it just changed the direction of churches that we've led, of people that we've talked to. I'm telling you, your first yes will be the hardest yes, but your first yes that will lead to smaller yeses afterward in order to see it accomplished, but it will be that that will let so many other people say yes. And if this generation could get outside of themselves and be on themselves and be different from the world, the world says, what do you want? The world says it's all about you. It's all about self-care and self-love. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't love yourself. What I'm telling you is that only by being loved by Jesus can you truly, deeply live loved. Your yes matters. How do I know your yes matters? 50 of you show up at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings to worship. Your yes is transforming the worship of a church. Like your yes matters. Now, um, I have the rest of my message and I felt like yesterday God just said it's not very good. So I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. I worked on it rearranging it. Here we go. Let me say this. I'll try this. Well, that's, you're right. You're right. That's bad. Get rid of that. After a time with him, what I think, what he was trying to say 
It's either don't just tell them to say yes and don't just tell them to listen to my voice and don't just tell them to look for the burning bush or to go to the mountain and get in the gate. Why don't we take some time today and I will get rid of the last half of my message and let me lead you through sort of a laboratory of what it means to listen to God and we're going to work through these four questions in your life and heart. In order to do what we're about to do, the band's going to come up. Guys, if you want to, you can move that. But listen, listen to me. In order to enter the space, I would like for you to enter over the next, you know, 20 minutes or so. You got to make a decision. You can take, oh, thank you. You got to make a decision that you're going to, as Sierra said, mind, body, and soul fully participate. You have to mentally decide, you know what, what have I got to lose? I'm here. I'm here. And I think God wants to speak to you. And what have you got to lose by choosing to enter this space, by choosing to say, yeah, I got distractions outside of here, and I got stuff I got to do after, and I got worries, and I got things, and I got questions, and I got pressures. But what if we just entered the next few minutes and let God do a work. So what we're going to do for uh, the remainder of our time is we're going to kind of ebb and flow between prayer and worship, all right? And prayer and worship. And prayer and worship. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to take a different posture or a different space. I want you to get alone with God in this room as much as you can. Maybe you kneel at your seat. Maybe you go sit against the wall. You can use the back. You can use the front. You can use your seat. I don't care. I want you to make a space for yourself in this place that is just yours and the Lord's. I would go ahead and do it right now. Just you and him, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to sit, whatever you want to do. doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is you and the Lord. That's what's happening right now. I'm just going to be a guide. The band is just going to be a guide, but this is you and the Lord. This is your burning bush. This is your conversation with the Lord. Because see, I wonder if in this room tonight, there are some of you who are looking at that burning bush, putting your face to the Lord and you're saying, what, who, me? Who, me? See, who is he asking you to forgive? And you're saying, what, who, me? What conversation is he asking you to have? And you're saying, who, me? You're saying it should be them. They should have it. They should say it. But God is saying you should have it. And you're saying, who, me? 
What act of obedience is he calling you to? What sin maybe he is convicting you of or pointing out in your life? And while you've known in your head that he knows, you gotta let your heart connect with the conviction that you might actually be compelled to do something about it rather than just say, what, who, me? Some of you, God is calling into ministry because I've had conversations with you and you can't get past excuses and the fact that it's so far different than what you thought you'd be doing or what you thought it looked like or you've been hurt by the church or or you've just had bad experiences and God is just standing there saying, come on, I will be with you and you're still saying, what, who, me? So I'm gonna give you some moments of silence as the band just kind of plays underneath it. And you listen, you listen to the Lord. And even right now, some of you are saying, is this really you? Is this really you talking to me, Lord? Or is this my own emotions, my own thoughts, my own fears, my my own agenda? Is this really you? He can handle your doubt. Just tell him. Say, I'm having a hard time believing this, Lord. I'm having a hard time doing this. I'm having a hard time saying yes.
some of you are also saying prove it. Some of you need to say prove it. Some of you need to get past the whole uh, talking to me, is this you? You know he's talking to you. You know it's him. You know what he's saying to you. But now you just got to be honest and say, I want you to prove it. Can I just tell you something right now? I am saying to you, whatever he said to you, you should do. Here's your proof. This is your proof. This moment is your proof. Those things that you keep pushing away and going, I'm just going to wait and I just don't know. I'm just going to take time. I'm just going to pray about it more. No, 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 no. If God said it, you must do it. You want proof? Do it. This is it. You came here tonight. For whatever reason, you came here tonight. And I think it's so that I could say to you that God is asking you again and again and again to just say, yes, this is your proof. your time to tell him all the what ifs y'all he can handle it he wants you to ask him tell him your fears tell him your doubts tell him where you think you're weak tell him where you think you can't tell him where you think you know what I shouldn't have to tell him all your what ifs I've got a really, really tough yes that I need to give to the Lord and I don't know that I can do it on my own. I need other believers to fight for me in prayer and come around me in prayer because this yes is a really big yes and it's really, really hard. I wonder if you would just stand up in your seat or stand up wherever you are. If you've got a really big yes that you gotta do, you got an impossible feat and you're not sure how you're gonna do it, why don't you go ahead and stand up or just...
you are around these people, would you look around and would you put a hand on their shoulder, a hand on their back, a hand on their arm? Let no one be standing alone. Heavenly Father, we come to you on behalf of these. Whatever their yes is, whatever it is you're saying to them, whatever your voice is declaring to them, Lord, that they would know that they're not alone and it's not in their might or in their power that they have to accomplish all of this, but they have a community of believers that together, unified by the power of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit are with them and that God will do the impossible. The Moses who heard the burning bush is the same Moses who put his staff over the Red Sea and it parted because God said it should be so. So Lord, whatever Red Sea needs to part, whatever um, obstacles need to be removed, whatever bravery or courage or confidence needs to fill them, Lord, would you do that in this moment, Jesus? Would you fill these people standing. They want to say yes because they love you. Would you enable them to say yes in a powerful way? Father, we give them to you. We love them, but you love them more. And we thank you for the many, many yeses that are going to occur and that are happening in this room today. In your name, amen. you guys um, actually you can stay wherever you are and we're gonna move into a time of worship you can stay in a time of prayer you're talking to the Lord you just sit and you just receive from him there is no like prescription there is no here's what you have to do in this time where the band is gonna play and we're gonna worship but you be with Jesus in in whatever that looks like in this moment